What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily, Wednesday, June 9th, and the St. Louis Cardinals, ladies and gentlemen, have won a baseball game. They got it done on Wednesday, 8-2 over the Cleveland Indians at Bush Stadium to ensure that they did not get swept and go over the homestand as they lost four in a row to the Reds and then game one against Cleveland on Tuesday. The win on Wednesday ensures they don't have to worry about that embarrassment. Now they get the off day on Thursday before heading to Wrigley Field for what will be a very interesting series. Obviously, Cardinals-Cubs, anytime those two teams get together, you you know, there's going to be some fireworks. But with the Cardinals pitching staff being what it is heading into the series, and they announced their planned starting rotation for the weekend a little bit earlier before Wednesday's game. I tweeted it out, and I think I got ratioed on the tweet for how many replies I had received on people expressing their opinions on the rotation that the Cardinals are rolling out there Friday through Sunday at Wrigley Field, and it's going to be Johan Oviedo, John Gant, Carlos Martinez. And understandably, that doesn't necessarily inspire a ton of optimism as you look at Oviedo, where he's been for the Cardinals this season, hasn't really been able to get a lot of traction as far as getting deep into games. His last start was probably his most effective when he went four innings, gave up a couple of runs, but was much better with regard to being in the strike zone, handling first pitch strikes, and being able to take command in that way. Cardinals are going to be looking for a little bit more from him than four innings probably on Friday, but then again, they do have the off day on Thursday. You can afford to be aggressive, I think, if you're Mike Schilt in that game. Go into your bullpen using the the main trio of Cabrera, Reyes, Gallegos. Honestly, you can throw, if, if it's a close game on Friday, you can throw all three of those guys, and then you can throw all three of them again Sunday and maybe try to muddle through on Saturday. see if they want to split it up a little bit differently. Who knows? It's going to depend on just the flow of the series and the way things are going. But for the Cardinals to get back on track tonight with a win behind their stopper, Adam Wainwright was really key because of the fact that you don't necessarily feel super great about the trajectory of the rotation. I talked about yesterday in the podcast where we just kind of sat down as a family and said, all right, how are we fixing the Cardinals? And got a lot of good questions and comments from Listeners on Twitter at bshafer 12 appreciate all of you who chimed in with questions for yesterday's show. And that's something I may just kind of throw out there on Twitter from time to time. May not always use all the questions that are asked. Yesterday was pretty strictly about y'all's questions. But moving forward, I, I love to hear some of the ideas and figure out what people are thinking about out there. And sometimes that'll definitely inspire me to say, you know what, that's a great point. I want to kind of jump onto that and, and add my two cents. So appreciate you guys always for your participation. Make sure to give a subscription to the B-Shape Daily Podcast if you don't subscribe already. I would love to have you on board so that anytime we come out with a new episode, which is pretty frequently throughout the week, you'll be able to listen to it. And we roll with the punches. It's it's not like we're a once-a-week podcast or anything here. Pretty much it's B-Shape Daily because we're going to be talking about what's going on with the Cardinals on a daily basis. That doesn't mean... You can't go back and listen to previous episodes and catch up a few days at a time. I think it's a great way to be able to lock back in on the Cardinals after being away for a couple of days because, you know, the summer is long, six-month baseball season. We all have our times where we kind of step away a little bit. Even I do it 
to rest and recharge and spend time with family, even as somebody who covers the team. So certainly as a fan, if you're thinking, man, I haven't checked in on the Cardinals in a couple of days, I think B-Shape Daily can be a great way for you to be able to catch up on what you may have missed because we're kind of talking the day-to-day, but then we're also talking big-picture conversations, and that's really what we delved into yesterday, talking about where the Cardinals are at, hadn't won a game in a week, where do they go from here, and we got into the nitty-gritty on a lot of things and appreciated everybody once again for chiming in, but today we're going to talk about a victory, so let's get to it as the Cardinals 8-2, to as I mentioned, over the Cleveland Indians. Adam Wainwright was the guy that they needed, and he delivered the performance they were looking for in kind of quintessential Wainwright fashion, really, when you look at how some of his starts have gone. Not always super strong out of the gate. Occasionally within the first inning or two, he might give up a a run here or there or a few base hits. But then he likes to settle into starts. He really can find his groove, and once he does, good luck to the opposition because he really isn't going to give up very much to you after that point. And Adam Wainwright today, that's kind of how this game started off. Gave up a double basically within, I don't know, probably 18 inches of the foul line in right field, looped it over the first baseman's head, and then a base hit that was kept on the infield by Matt Carpenter, Cardinals' second baseman tonight with Tommy Edmonds starting in the outfield. And from there, he gives up another double, and so they've scored a sacrifice fly later in the inning, plates the second run, and it seems like every day the Cardinals start down to nothing, and that was the, the case as well today and had been the case in each of the previous couple of games, so that made it three in a row, I believe, today. And understandably, fans were like, oh, goodness, here we go again. But it was at that point that Adam Wainwright, upon leaving the field, comes into the dugout and makes a prediction about the way the rest of this game and the rest of his start was going to go. So I'm going to jump right into some audio, play some Adam Wainwright for you here. Him coming off the field there, what he told his teammates, you'll hear that within this clip, from Wayno, the Cardinals starter, the stopper getting a big win on Wednesday night. No adjustment needed. I, I, I made good pitches that first inning and they made some swings that, uh, you know, they got on base, but I mean, you know, the change up to Hernandez is not a bad pitch. The, the double down the right field line by Rosario is not a bad pitch. The single infield single up the middle to Rosario is not a bad pitch. I, I knew that I was making pitches, and so I didn't get down. I knew I'd, I didn't press the panic button because I, I felt great. I was locating my stuff. And, uh, you know, when you when you do that, usually when you feel good and you locate everything, then you got a really good chance to pitch well. And so I, I came to – that got afterwards, and I said, no, they're not scoring any more runs. You know, like, I, I'm keeping it right there. And uh, our hitters took it upon themselves to make sure that you know, they were going to put some runs on the board too. So a um, couple of big knocks, Carp again with a huge double right there to uh, get us going and a couple of big walks. Yachty's walk was huge. You know, they worked that, they worked the count, fouled off a lot of tough pitches. Uh, kudos to our offense today. They did a great job. So that's Adam Wainwright from Wednesday night. As you heard him say it after coming into the dugout, he told his teammates, I'm keeping it there. I'm not giving up any more runs to these guys the rest of the way. And of course, that's all well and good if he accomplishes it. Spoiler alert, he did, and we'll talk a little bit more about that momentarily. But you do still have to score runs. The Cardinals have had plenty of games where they haven't gotten over that hump, and sometimes a, a 2, two nothing deficit, you may not win that game. It's happened before this season, and I want to say it's happened with Adam Wainwright on the mound. They lost 2-1 to one when he threw the complete game. It might have been 3-2 to two that game. Either way, it's you're going to have to break through and score runs 
offensively to be able to get around. The Cardinals scored just one on Tuesday when they lost to Shane Bieber 10 to 1. But on Wednesday, absolutely different story. The offense got it done, and it really all did start in the first inning when the Cardinals ultimately chase the opposing starter, Mejia, from the game. He doesn't end up finishing the first inning. And as Matt Carpenter said later on, I don't believe I'm going to have this audio for you, so I'll just describe it. On Zoom, Matt Carpenter said that the at-bat of the game was Yadier Molina in that first inning, drawing a 10-pitch walk. Full count, he's fouling off multiple pitches. The bases are loaded. There's two outs. Credit to the Cardinals, even before Yadi got to the plate as the number six batter in the order, to be able to work their way through that bottom of the first inning. There was there were two outs throughout a good portion of that inning. They let it off with a Tommy Edmond double. Carlson flew out. Goldschmidt struck out. And from there, you're thinking, man, are they going to really leave Edmond at second base after the leadoff double after Wainwright, who you were hoping would maybe be able to give you a great start because you needed a strong individual performance by somebody to pull you out of this despair that you're in right now. It would just not have been a great time for the Cardinals to to leave the leadoff double and not make it ultimately turn into any runs. But Nolan Arenado has a good at-bat, takes a full count walk, and then Tyler O'Neill with a base hit. It was an infield job, kind of a chopper, and you just knew there was no way that the pitcher was going to be able to throw him out. It was kind of between the mound and the plate. Tyler O'Neill's just too quick. There was no way to get him. And so now you've got something cooking, and that's when it happened with the Yadier Molina at bat. Ten pitches, draws the full count, walk huge. The Cardinals are now on the board, and guess who's stepping to the plate? You start hearing the Turnpike Troubadours play, you know it's Matt Carpenter time, and when it's Matt Carpenter time with the bases loaded, you know something good is probably going to happen. Coming into tonight... His batting average with the bases loaded in his career, 483. I believe he was 29 for 60. Well, after this one, he was 30 for 61 because he drives a double over the head of the first baseman into the right field corner, clears the bases, and ends up on third due to a throwing error. Matt Carpenter with the bases loaded. The dude is automatic. I don't know if you saw me tweet it out or if you saw this earlier in the week. I believe it was Dan Lebitard. Uh, getting into some NBA stuff for you, but he asked if your life was on the line and you had one of these two NBA players have to shoot a free throw to save your life, who would you pick between Giannis Antetokounmpo and Ben Simmons? And the joke is you really don't necessarily want either of them in that situation. I said for myself, I'd shoot the free throw myself. I could I could knock it down about 70%, so I'll take I'll take my chances. I'm sure a little bit more motivated than those guys would be to shoot a free throw for me to save my own life, but... Honestly, if I had the choice, I think I might just opt to go with Matt Carpenter, bases loaded situation for him to come through. Life on the line, yeah, you got at least a 50-50 chance at this point. The dude is money, and he just seems to thrive and rise in those big moments. Matt Carpenter does it again tonight. We mentioned how big the Yachty walk was, but for Carpenter to do that, to put the Cardinals on top at that point, 4-2, after Wayno had just said, yeah, I'm not giving up anything else the rest of the game, you got to be feeling pretty good in that Cardinals dugout. Despite the week they've had, despite all the struggles and the injuries and the problems with this team, you can just you, you get a little bit of veteran leadership, right? Yachty, veteran, takes the walk. Carpenter, veteran, comes through with the clutch hit. Adam Wainwright, the, the veteran-most pitcher on this team, says, don't worry, guys, I've got you, and he does from there. Now, the way this broke down was pretty interesting because sometimes you can kind of sense – when Wayno was about to do some Wayno things, and it sneaks up on you sometimes within a game. You know, he kind of muddies through the, the first couple of innings, and then you look up in the fifth, and it goes, when's the last time they've had a base runner? 
against this guy, and he sometimes will go off the sheet, and they, they won't get another one. Tyler O'Neill makes a great diving catch to the first batter in the second inning, top of the second. Comes in on the ball, saw it the whole way, had a really good vantage point from where I was sitting in the press box. I said, oh, Tyler O'Neill's about to do something special. Makes a real nice diving catch, made it look pretty, did exactly what he needed to do in that play. And then Adam Wainwright, three-pitch strikeout to the next batter, I believe, was Bradley Zimmer. And I turned to Jeff Jones in the press box, and I said, doesn't it feel like this is the kind of situation where Wainwright's just going to retire the next 15 guys that he faces? And then I walked away and got a hot dog. Well, guess what happened? Wainwright retired the next 16 guys that he faced, except for one, he hit Bradley Zimmer with a pitch in the fifth. So I was so close to being correct. He would have he would have went off the sheet with the exception of that one hit by pitch. But that just kind of had that feel to it. Wainwright has also talked about in the past that if his defense makes a play behind him on a ball that maybe would go for a hit, extra bases, situation like that, that really can be something that dials him in as well. And I saw that play by O'Neill. I saw him just blow the next guy away on three pitches. I said, yep. I think we're about to see Wayno go Wayno on him. And he did exactly that. Got through seven innings despite a little bit of inefficiency there in the first. And he went off the sheet without another hit being allowed following that first inning little dust-up where he gives up a couple of doubles and an infield hit. And then a sacrifice fly to score the second run. That's exactly what the Cardinals needed from Adam Wainwright tonight. One win does not save the season, but my goodness does it change a lot about the way these guys can feel about themselves as they head into a pivotal series with the Chicago Cubs. Wayno put the team on his back, but it was more than that tonight, right? The offense coming through was so huge for what they were able to accomplish, and I think for a couple of guys individually to feel better about their games. Matt Carpenter is one where I've been talking about how many days in a row have we mentioned Matt Carpenter and said, look, this is not just you know a new thing. Over the last few weeks now, at least two and a half weeks, Matt Carpenter has been seeing the ball a lot better and has been performing a lot better offensively, and you're starting to see him get more opportunities, not to mention the fact that others in the lineup have not been producing, and you might as well continue to play him if he is. But I've been saying quietly Matt Carpenter is having a little bit of a charge here. It's it's not necessarily very quiet anymore. You're, you're going to start to hear about it as he continues to, to climb the batting average, closing in on 200, climb the OPS situation. You know, it's nothing incredible. You got to understand he had a really rough start, as many of you would remember. But he's up to 656 now on the OPS. That's higher than he was in 2020 at 640. Granted, he wasn't great in 2020, but to start 2021, he was even worse. Three weeks ago, he was hitting like 108. I'm putting this in the story I'm writing for KMOV that'll be out sometime, maybe tomorrow morning, depending on how late I get this podcast done with the off day tomorrow that gives me a little bit of wiggle room because I think people will still be happy to read about the Wednesday night game with there being no game on Thursday. But with Matt Carpenter, his batting average was at 108 in the the league's pitchers, like across Major League Baseball, entering today, at least according to the fan graph search that I did, were batting 109. So for a while, for a good chunk of the season, Matt Carpenter had a lower batting average than the average for all pitchers across the league. And we know the pitchers are absolutely putrid at hitting this year because they didn't hit last year, and we've just we've watched baseball for eight weeks, whatever it's been, ten weeks now, and pitchers absolutely suck this year offensively. Wayno did have his first hit of the season tonight to break like an 0 for 22 Yadier Molina was there in the dugout calling for the baseball as though it was like a, a milestone hit 
and that Wayno needed to get the ball. I don't think he ended up getting it, but it was kind of a funny moment. Wainwright able to get off the schneid there, which, you know, was important to him because he's a guy who's always prided himself upon his ability to contribute as a hitter as well as a pitcher. But nevertheless, Matt Carpenter was was going through it. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But now that he's hitting 184, 656, OPS over 900 for the last two and a half weeks or so. Carpenter contributing and doing it with the bases loaded, providing the key hit that puts the Cardinals ahead. You love to see that. And I know Paul DeYoung probably going to be returning for this series in Chicago. I think he'll probably be activated by Friday. Not exactly sure who from the bench you'll see displaced because of that. Nagowski, Lane Thomas both have options available, so you could send either of them out. Jose Rondon does not have options available, so you'd think positionally that would be the guy that they would send out. But if they do, they'd have to expose him to waivers. So we'll see what that move ends up being. But after all all systems go, apparently, at the, the rehab assignments for Paul DeYoung of late, I imagine he'll end up being on that trip to Chicago and probably active for Friday, and then that'll be an interesting conversation about who ends up in the lineup because Carpenter has been playing well. You want to continue getting his bat in there. I would start him on Friday. I don't think there's any question. I I know they're facing Kyle Hendricks, I believe, is probably going to be the starter. I don't know if the Cubs have named that yet. If that is the case, perhaps you think about going in another direction because Carpenter throughout his career, just a 212 average and 620 OPS against Hendricks, but you know, I think if he's feeling it right now, that might be a bat that you still want in the lineup. But Mundo Sosa, not exactly a guy that I'm looking to take out of the lineup either because he's been performing pretty well as of late. And just generally, I like what he's brought to the table as far as his energy is concerned. He's looked really good filling in for Paul DeYoung. And Mike Schilt's going to have an interesting task ahead of him to figure out how he's going to approach the playing time for Sosa, who's still got a seven or pardon me, a two seventy batting average after a one for four game on Wednesday. OPS seven twenty eight. Again, that's not as high as it was, obviously, but he's still providing really good defense. And so question is, do you move one of those guys to second base to get them both in the lineup? My guess is as soon as DeYoung is active, he will get the start at shortstop. I think I think they probably still stick Carpenter at second base or Edmund if they go with somebody else in the outfield, which you really don't have a ton of options right now. I think Edmund for the outfield could be a regular thing over the weekend in Chicago. But I, I just don't know exactly how they're going to handle Sosa. Like, he hasn't played second base this season. I know he could do it. DeYoung hasn't played second base. They're both primary shortstops in recent months of their career, months and years. And so I'll be interested to see how the Cardinals divvy up some of that playing time. But I've liked what I've seen from Sosa, so I'm hopeful that he's still going to be part of the game plan rather than just become kind of the guy that sits on the end of the bench and you don't hear from him for a while, which is basically what he's done in previous cups of coffee that he had prior to this one in the major leagues, where we're finally seeing this this little breakout and seeing what he's capable of doing because he finally got a chance to play. That just hadn't really been the case previously. But I've gone and done it again and wrapped myself around a a various amount of topics before getting to the point I was trying to make. I want to finish up on Matt Carpenter because I do have a clip, another one from Adam Wainwright, where he talked about why Matt Carpenter seems to thrive in these bases-loaded situations. Because, again, when you're 30 for 61 and he's got some walks in there, I'm sure as well, just having the overwhelming success he's had in his career with the bases loaded. And it was obviously a situation there today where the Cardinals really make or break. I don't know how that game unfolds if Matt Carpenter doesn't come through in that spot the way that he does. And so you'll hear me ask 
Adam Wainwright about it, and then you'll hear his take on what makes Matt Carpenter so effective in those bases-loaded situations. Well, you know, speaking specifically to Carp as a situational guy, what do you think when you see him walk into the plate with the bases loaded? Well, I love my chances. I mean, you know, the guy just is very comfortable in that situation. And and uh, I think it's just because he, you know, he has such a great idea of the strike zone. Hitters that that don't swing at bad pitches have a really good chance in that situation because pitchers get tight sometimes, you know, they, they don't want to walk anybody and they end up throwing a ball down the middle. Uh, if they throw a couple of close pitches that he doesn't swing at, the pitcher's like, man, I don't know what to do now. And they groove one and he hits it. So that's just a great approach he has. And it works out well in that situation. We're very, very happy when he comes up with that. I mean, what is he hitting almost 500 in his career? Five, bases loaded. It's nuts. And so Adam Wainwright, always a good quote. I thought he gave some good insight there on on Carpenter because Carpenter himself, he said that he, like he's seen the numbers over the years. He knows that he's good in these situations. And he admitted that that kind of gives him a little bit of extra confidence going into those spots to know that, hey, I've done this before and I've had success in these spots before. But when you break it down and just look at the style of game that he plays and the style of hitter that he is, makes a lot of sense, right? The pitcher had just walked Yachty on 10 pitches. And so you're not wanting to make that kind of mistake again and, and drive in the second run without giving up another hit via walk. That would not be what you want to do. But, you know, at some point you got to go after the guy, especially with two outs. And Matt Carpenter just knows how to sit on the pitches that he thinks he's going to get in those situations. It like it, it locks in and maximizes the best of Matt Carpenter as a hitter. Even in 2021, where maybe some of the bat speed a little bit diminished, some of the home run power isn't what it was. I think this guy could still have doubles power. And, you know, I know that Cardinals fans might be hearing all the Matt Carpenter talk and saying, oh, you know, you've been almost predisposed in 2021 to be anti-Matt Carpenter. I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the way the rest of his season's going to go. I'm not saying he's going to be MVP candidate again like he was for a couple of months of 2018, which Wainwright also alluded to earlier in the conversation to say, that this guy absolutely carried our team. We know he's done it before. And so I don't I don't think there's anybody on that roster who doesn't just feel tremendously excited for Carpenter to actually be contributing in that way. And it was also mentioned in the Zoom conferences that Carpenter kind of gave a little bit of a speech on Sunday to the team, which is not something that is the usual for him, not something that we, we got any wind or insight about what exactly was said in that speech, but Showing that veteran leadership and then being able to back it up on the field and contribute with the clutch hit for the team on Wednesday, I think, is pretty cool for Matt Carpenter. And, you know, I, I keep playing him the way he's going right now. We'll see what it looks like and how long he's able to continue this hot stretch because you look at it, okay, 656 OPS. Tommy Edmonds only at 706, and we've praised his performance a ton this season. Granted, the batting average is nearly 100 points higher, 269 versus 184. But Matt Carpenter takes a lot more walks than Tommy Edmond does, and he's honestly showing just about as much power, if if not maybe a little more. I haven't looked at their respective OPS, or pardon me, slugging percentages. I'm sure that in the slug department, Edmond's probably still a little bit higher. But we're seeing the doubles, and we've seen a couple of home runs from Carpenter as well. And, you know, just, just kind of a way to, to point out that while we praise Edmond for what he's done, OPS is not his best number this season, and Matt Carpenter is kind of closing in on him in that category. So Carpenter's definitely on the right way, but he's not the only guy who contributed offensively tonight. we got to talk about Tyler O'Neill, the two home runs that he had. 
this dude looks absolutely locked in. Granted, he still strikes out a fair bit, and, and so does Carpenter. Carpenter's not really curbed the strikeouts too much, even during this recent stretch where he's been better. Tyler O'Neill tonight, though, goes 3-for-4. We mentioned the infield hit and then hit a couple of bombs. The one he hit to left field, the first homer of the night for him, just an absolute mammoth shot. It cleared the bullpen. I tried to pause the video and count. I think six or seven rows up above the bullpen. StatCast estimated it like 471 feet, I want to say, or 451. It was, I think it was 451. Regardless, it was just a total obliterated shot, and it was loud. It was so loud off the bat. You just know it's something different when Tyler O'Neill gets into one. And then with his second home run of the night, a little bit later in the game, he finds Freeze's lawn toward the left side of the batter's eye in center field. That one was something like 425 feet. And so closing in on 900 feet of home runs for the night with 451 and 423 or 5 or whatever it was in the 420s. Blaze it. No, I can't say that because people will think I'm serious. But anyway... Big game for Tyler O'Neill. 15 home runs now on the season for him. That's, by the way, already a career high pretty easily for Tyler O'Neill. He hasn't had the opportunities where he's put together health-wise or opportunity-wise a full season of at-bats throughout his career. Honestly, to the point that he's at now, I think he's just a little bit over 600 total plate appearances in his career, even counting his numbers this season. And so it's not like he's had a huge sample size. The home runs have always been there. I mean, if you add it up, he had... 9-7, you know, continues to have home runs year after year as far as on a per-at-bat basis. But it just, you haven't had a full season of Tyler O'Neill to see what that could look like over the course of 162 games. And there's just been varying reasons for that over the course of his career. But you look back, checking out the numbers now, 9 homers, 5 homers, 7 homers over the course of 2018 through 2020. That's 21 dingers. In doing a little bit of quick math here, just about 400 at-bats. And so that's a decent ratio. This year in 151 at-bats, he's already to 15 home runs. And he's had two injured list stints on the season already. So pretty remarkable what he's been able to do offensively. Uh, The question was asked of Trevor. I did post out on Twitter again tonight for questions if anybody had him. And Trevor said, what do I think about keeping... O'Neill in that five hole ahead of Molina I think absolutely when he's supplying the kind of power that he has been as of late there's just no way that I that I need Yachty batting higher than O'Neill in the lineup the damage that he can do is right up there with Arenado right up there with Goldschmidt and so far this year it absolutely surpasses both of those guys Goldschmidt another guy that we need to praise for his nice game tonight because he hit another home run got himself to eight on the season Uh, And that was the only hit that he had. So not necessarily busting out of the the slump. It's still just been kind of a little bit of a rough go for Goldschmidt. I I know there's more in there for the guy. I don't think he's over the hill. I don't think this is just a sign of things to come. I think it's just sometimes takes a little bit of time. And when the strikeouts do go up for him a little bit is really over his Cardinals career. He struck out kind of more than I've expected that he would when they first made the trade. And so, yeah, that could be a little bit of a sign of aging, and he's maybe not going to be his ultimate prime that he once was with Arizona. I still think he can be a guy that OPS is over 800, that can give you significant power numbers, and he knows the strike zone too. You see him sometimes take some poor at-bats where he swings at things that he knows he shouldn't, 
but I, you just don't see him make that mistake quite that often. And so the fact he's hitting 251 right now, I think batting average can be a little higher, but you're still going to see a good on-base percentage from Goldsmith. I think when it's all said and done, as long as he stays healthy, uh, you know, he's 320 right now for OBP. Career is 389. I don't know that he gets to 389, but north of 350, absolutely. And the OPS, I think, I think he can still, there's time for him to get it above 800. Because when this guy does catch fire, it happens quick. And I, I still think he's capable of doing exactly that. So we'll see what it looks like ultimately for the end of the season for Goldschmidt. But good to see him get the home run tonight. And it was an opposite field bomb, too, to, to show just how strong the guy is. It was like all the way into the right field corner. It was almost like a, a, a extreme pole hit that you'd see from a lefty swinger. But it was good to get Goldschmidt back on the board tonight, his eighth home run of the season. Nolan Arenado, was, you saw some frustration from him tonight, I noticed. There was a pitch that was like 89, middle-middle, and he got under it and popped it up and kind of slammed his bat right away. But did have a hit in the game and also took a, a key walk that helped start off that first inning, scored a run, and so Arenado had a, a double as well in this one. So one for four, did take a walk and scored two runs, so on base a couple of times. But that kind of shows you he he's just a little bit of a tick off right now as well. But to be able to be that and still being – at 282 average, 842 OPS. I think Nato's going to be just fine. But I did think it was interesting. I noticed him being a little bit hard on himself tonight. I think he he wants to be part of the offense when it's going high. He wants to be part of that and, and join in. And certainly be a guy, too, when the offense is not going well, that he can be the one to help turn it around. He's been that already for the Cardinals this season at times, and I don't think there's any question that he can continue to do it again. But, you know, tonight was about the contributions of Molina with the big walk. Carpenter had the big hit. Goldsmith and Tyler O'Neill providing three home runs between the two of them to get the Cardinals to that 8-2 win. The bullpen looked pretty good. Cabrera got into the game scoreless eighth inning. And then Ryan Helsley, Hells Bells, comes in for the ninth, shuts it down, and keeps it right where the Cardinals needed it to be. Not a safe situation, so you're able to save Alex Reyes. You're able to save... Giovanni Gallegos, and then you should have all hands on deck when it comes around to Friday because everybody will get that day off on Thursday. Be ready to go. The bullpen wouldn't surprise me if they end up having to throw quite a few innings at Wrigley Field over the Friday, Saturday, Sunday stretch this weekend. Going to be really fun. I will not be at Wrigley. I do plan to get to the series there in July just before the All-Star break, but got other stuff going on this weekend, so I'm not going up to Chicago, but if you're heading up there as a Cardinals fan, let me hear from you. I'll be really interested to see what the environment's like up there because it is going to be full capacity. Cardinals fans will hopefully have a pretty good showing there. I'd love to see it be a, a classic Wrigley environment when you get these two fan bases together. The Cubs right there in the mix right now. I know the Brewers had surpassed them for first place coming into today, but it's like within a half game. So Cardinals definitely an opportunity to gain ground on the rival, gain ground on somebody that's obviously vying for the division alongside you. So should be a really interesting weekend up in Chicago for sure. Now we're going to try to take a moment here to transition before the end of the show to a few questions from Twitter. Already mentioned what Trevor had to say about Tyler O'Neill in the five hole. I think that's a great call. Will Sutton chimes in saying, hey, should they offer Tyler O'Neill a classic Cardinals team-friendly deal tonight? Kind of riding high off of the Tyler O'Neill two-homer game. Yeah, interesting. I think at the end of the season, he could certainly be an extension candidate if they want to lock him up. I don't think that happens midseason, though, necessarily. 
Uh, could Edmund become the regular right fielder with Carpet second until Beta returns? Yeah, as I mentioned, I think you see a lot more of Edmund potentially in the outfield, at least over the course of this weekend, because when you do have Paul DeYoung come back in, that makes it even more difficult to find time for Carpenter in Sosa, and you just don't really have a third outfielder right now that you trust. They Nagowski hasn't been hitting. They haven't put him out there at all in the outfield, despite listing him as first base slash outfield. Lane Thomas has kind of faded off. I don't know if, uh, to me, Lane Thomas might be the guy you'd send down or Nagowski, one of the two, just because I don't think there's any reason to lose Jose Rondon, and, and he can play outfield if, if need be. But for the weekend, I think it's going to be Edmund in the outfield. I don't I don't see any reason to do it any other way. And Bader, it could be a little bit of time before he comes back. I would be looking at an outfielder if I were the Cardinals. Not not that it's like at full strength you need an outfielder, but you got to con- consider the team you're playing with right now. And if you can get a Joey Gallo or a Mitch Haniger or somebody that could really beef things up, I mean, imagine... Tyler O'Neill hitting like he's hitting batting fifth, and then Joey Gallo batting sixth. Like, if you really want to go for it, I think that's something to look at. Now, I know Gallo, I think, has mostly been a left fielder as well. Somebody would have to play right. I think Gallo can play right field, too. So, I'm going to keep beating the drum for Gallo. I just think it'd be a really awesome way to go for it. And then, you know what? When Bader does come back, you figure it out. I don't know. I think it'll be fine. Like, who cares? Just figure it out, right? So uh, that's the reason they're not going to do it. Like John Mozeliak, historically, he's talked about deals that make things too complicated. Like if Albert Pujols made things too complicated for the bench, a bench that just absolutely is, is still not very strong at all right now, then you're not going to – like Joey Gallo is just not going to happen. So I should just stop talking about it. But I think it makes too much sense, so I'm, I'm going to keep bringing it up. And Jacob kind of leads right into his question, asked about everybody wants to talk about the rotation of the bullpen. What about beefing up the bench? Yeah, I think they're, you know, that's definitely an interesting conversation. But I don't know if I see the Cardinals going and actually physically making a move and taking the time to make a trade that isn't for a starting player. But there's a lot of sense to that. I think if they do make a a bench-type trade, it's for a utility guy that can play multiple positions and has a bit of a track record. I don't know how readily available some of those kinds of guys are going to be. Um, but I could definitely see that being a worthy pursuit. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Matt Michaels, KTGR Matt, definitely listen to the big show if you're in Columbia Mo. He asks, over under two and a half Libertor starts for the Cardinals this season. I'm going to go over. I I think that they're going to bring him up within the next couple of weeks if they don't find another way to get a starter. Like, to me, he's pitching in the Marlins series. I don't see any way around it. Who are you going to go to? You could, you know, there are some other names, I guess. You could go bullpen start, but when you've already got Oviedo as one of your five, and then you're going to have another outing go bullpen start, and you have John Gant who hasn't gone deep into games. You have Carlos Martinez, who his last two outings have been very bad, and he hasn't gone deep into either of them. I don't think you can afford to just say, yeah, we're going to do a bullpen start. Like, you've got Angel Rondon, who's been a starter in Memphis and he could conceivably be built up a little bit to to quote unquote start as like the the lead guy in a bullpen start a bullpen game uh, but I just don't know if that's a winning strategy I think you go for Libertor I think you give him the shot you've got I think the roster space if not you can create it pretty easily as far as the 40 man is concerned they just claim this Waddle guy from the Orioles I don't know much about him but I know he's changed hands like four times this season so I, listen, if the, if that's the reason your 40-man is full, to me, there's there's there are going to be ways to clear a spot for Libertor, get him on there. I, I don't know if, if they're going to do it. I obviously think they should. 
But listen, if he ends up starting in the Marlins series, it wouldn't surprise me, and that would certainly put him on track to be over the, the two and a half. And even even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't make a start or an appearance until, say, July or even August, there's still room for three. So if I'm betting two and a half, I'm going over. But I like that question a lot. Jake Allen, Stan, will be the last question we talk about tonight. He says, how much longer does Marp, also known as Carp, have to keep his hot streak going for half of Cardinals Twitter to get off his ass? <laughs> I like the snark. I like the question. Yeah, listen, I kind of, I've talked plenty of Matt Carpenter already in this episode. Uh, it, it almost like in the back of my head, I'm like, man, are people going to be mad I talk so much Carpenter? Listen, the, I, to call it like I see it, the guy's having, having a good run of late and deserves credit for it, and you're not going to find much of a better veteran leader in that clubhouse. I know they've got Yachty. I know they've got Wayno. Matt Carpenter's been around now 10 years, and he he knows this game. He knows this team. Uh, I think the Cardinals are really fortunate to have him, and so hopefully, yeah, Twitter, come around on the guy if you if you haven't already. Always be rooting for Cardinals. If you're a Cardinals fan, be rooting for Cardinals to do well, no matter who it is. But I think Matt Carpenter in particular is a guy that could 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 use that love for the fan base. And listen, he's going to Wrigley this weekend. I'm just saying, there's there have been some special things that he's done there before in the past. It would be awesome if he would throw it back to 2018 and have a nice weekend up in Chicago. So, yeah, uh, as uh, Jake Allen Stan put it, get off his ass, guys. <laughs> Carpenter's coming around. Appreciate you guys so, so much, always for listening to B-Shape Daily. Like I said earlier in the show, please subscribe if you haven't done so already because I know there's sometimes people listen to the show regularly and then they might go away for a week, whatever. Be one of the people that jumps on board and sticks with it. We're going to have a lot of fun this summer, and so it's awesome to have you on board listen to the show. Went a little bit longer today. Let me know what you think about that. Yesterday was like 45 minutes. This one's going to be pushing 40. Uh, normally, I like to shoot for 25 to 30, but sometimes you know there's just a lot more to talk about, and so... I'm cool with it if you're cool with it, and we'll just keep rolling these episodes out there as the season goes along. Thank you all once again. No game tomorrow for the Cardinals on Thursday. Not sure what the podcast situation will look like. If you've got an idea for one, shoot me a DM at for 12 on Twitter, or do what Will Sutton did tonight. He left me a voicemail message that we'll probably be able to mix into the conversation tomorrow. His question, one of them, he had a couple of questions but the voicemail that I'll play for you on Thursday, yeah, we'll go ahead and do a podcast. Let's commit to it. The question is talking about one guy in particular who's in the minors right now that he wonders, could he be the next Cardinals devil magic guy to come out of nowhere and make a nice contribution? We'll talk about that and more tomorrow on B-Shape Daily. Thanks once again. Peace.